We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks. Hibbert denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, wow. Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands! What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace, and we've got mailbag questions to answer today. But before we get into that, we wanted to look at the previous two games from the Indiana Pacers. They got a huge win on national TV against the Golden State Warriors. And then, of course, they lost a very close game to the Phoenix Suns. And then a lot of injuries have to talk about here. So, Fachi, where do you want to start off with, man? I mean, I guess let's go with the Warriors game because it was magical. A game that never in my wildest imagination could I have thought that the Pacers were going to win this game with no Brogdon, no Levert, no Warner, no Warren, no Turner, no Sabonis. I mean, literally the ideal starting five out against the Warriors. One of the top teams in the league. It was the youth movement game, it, honestly, this was one of the best wins. I, I don't want to say in recent memory because it sounds sad, but this <laughs> year, definitely. No, it was an impressive win just because of how they fought and how they did it. Like Golden State's a team that's not been playing well since Draymond Green's been out, let's be honest. They're playing about 500 basketball. And on Friday night, I believe it was, or even Saturday, I think it was Friday night, they lost, or they beat the, the Rockets on a game-winning three-point shot by, by Steph Curry. And so, you know, it was one of those games where Chris Duarte played really well. Goga Batadze played really well before he got ejected with a little bit of headbutt to uh, Gary Payton the second after he got dunked on. And then Isaiah Jackson came in 
and just played huge minutes down in crunch time. I thought Kiefer Sykes looked good in that game. I mean, really, it was just a game of the rookies really playing well. Dwayne Washington Jr. had eight points in that in that game, and I think there was a stretch there where he had like two threes back-to-back. So, honestly, when you're looking at this game, Justin Holiday hit the game-tying three. It was just a great team effort. Torrey Craig played great defense once again, and I just I was impressed with this team, and it was fun to watch them again against the Suns, and you could tell a little bit there the Suns, their veteran leadership and their championship pedigree was just a little bit too much for the Pacers young guys. But overall, I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm seeing from this group, Fletch. Exactly. Look, we stunned the Warriors. They were they took us lightly. <laughs> they had a home run derby, you know, in their, their arena before the game. I mean, really, they overlooked the Pacers and all the injuries that they had. And I think even as a fan base, I think we did too. But it was amazing to see what we saw go got out to such a Hot start in the first quarter. You know, things were, were looking great. And you mentioned it on national television. We usually save our worst for national television, but not this time. There was no Giannis taking pictures on the sideline after they're up, you know, 20 points or whatever. No, this was a game that went to overtime and we got the job done. It was awesome. Then yeah. the, the Suns game, you know, that you mentioned, look, how long we weren't just going to become a new team overnight and, and get rid of the road woes, you know. So we came back to reality a bit. We played them good in the first half. I'll say that. Yeah, well, actually, they outscored them in the fourth quarter, which is something that the Suns are great at, great at doing. The Suns are a great fourth quarter team. So to outscore them 29 to 21 was huge. But the third quarter, Pacers got outscored by 13. Like they were down by six, I believe it was at the half. I can't remember. It was really close. And and all of a sudden, Phoenix just comes out, guns a-blazing in that quarter. And there's a viral clip of Chris Paul saying they can't F and shoot uh, and yelling it at the Pacers bench after one of their guys jumped on a pump fake. So basically just saying, like, hey, this Pacers team is not known for their shooting. And, I mean, I can't disagree with them because they've not been a great shooting team. But with that being said, I mean, it was one of those games where you were surprised the Pacers got back into it when they did. It felt like they were down way more than they actually were. And this was Lance Stevenson's best game on the road for sure, Flatchy. 7-9 for 17 points, three rounds, one assist. Chris Duarte had 17 points as well. Gogo Batadze had 16. And then Jeremy Lamb actually played pretty well despite shooting just one of seven from three. He had 14 points, seven rebounds. So really you're seeing a collective effort here. I'm enjoying it a little bit more than what I was enjoying. I, I think that these guys are are just a little bit hungrier than the other uh, starters were. I, I think the starters were just kind of getting bogged down by the season and how much they've lost and trying to go through the motions with these young guys have something to prove. So that to me was the biggest storyline between not seeing the starters versus seeing the bench guys is just these guys are trying to prove their worth. That's the biggest thing right there. Something to prove. Lance playing for another contract. You know, uh, Isaiah Jackson finally getting real extended minutes. Dwayne Washington Jr. trying to stay in the league. You know, O'Shea Brissett trying to get that next contract. Kiefer Sykes trying to stay in the league. Chris Duarte, like, being kind of handed the keys over the last few games. I mean, there's guy Goga, who's been on the bench for years. These are guys with something to prove that, that they don't want this to stop. They want to shine as much as possible. And then guys that might be auditioning for another team. Jeremy Lamb is someone that the last couple games has given the Pacers quality minutes. I mean, yeah. he was a plus four in this game. He was good against Golden State. I, I think that we're now seeing that Lamb isn't just going to be an expiring contract to someone. He's someone that can help, uh, uh, you know, maybe like a veteran playoff team that's looking for another scorer off the bench. And Alex, 
He's getting the free throw line. Jeremy Lamb shot 17 free throws the last two games. Wow. Whoa. I mean, we're not not getting that really at anyone. So it's, he's been a bucket at times. There's there's those times where he just kind of falls out of the rotation a bit. Yeah, definitely he has, but you're right. This is something that is great for his value in terms of getting traded. I think same could be said for Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig. They're on very cheap deals, very affordable deals. And if you're able to like get something of value back for those two guys, that would be huge, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. But you said Chris Duarte has been playing well on this four-game road trip so far. 19.8 points per game, 5.8 rebounds, and 4.0 assists in his last four games, Fachi. So, I mean, you're giving him a bigger opportunity. I think he looks better as a starter than someone that comes off the bench, in my personal opinion. Um, this is a guy that just feels more comfortable out there, and he's trying to get used to playing with all these different guys because – they haven't played with this lineup of Kiefer and Goga and Justin and Tori. It's just, it's a totally different group. And I think, you know, the person right now that's been struggling the most with all of the different changes is probably O'Shea Brissett. Um, you can tell that he's missing playing with that bench unit he was used to and playing with Sabonis because right now uh, he's been struggling a little bit to uh, get into the groove. But overall, I'm liking what I'm seeing from everybody and I uh, hope we can continue this as we play the Pelicans on Monday. I really like it because you're seeing like hustle, you're seeing energy, you're seeing guys have fun. I mean, it, it just seems like that's what winning basketball is like. And I know we're saying this after a 10-point loss to the Suns, but look, the Suns are one of the better teams in the league. I mean, they really are, especially at home. So you could really expect a win, but you could expect to want to see certain things. And the Pacers, they did hang around at, at times. You know, like you mentioned, rough third quarter. But other than that, we're seeing a lot of positive things out of out of Goga. Like you can't, no one can tell me now over this last week, Goga's a bust. It's like, no, I think a lot of that is on us. Yeah. You know, for, for not playing him as much. And Duarte, classic rookie going through the highs and lows. Like, man, this kid's gonna be real good. He really is. And it's just like when when he has the confidence, the shots, the minutes behind him, I mean, he he's bringing it. Yeah, I think Isaiah Jackson's shown a couple of flashes, too. Like, look, been out of position a few different times, gotten himself in foul trouble, and and maybe made some bad fouls. But overall, like, there was a play that I believe Mark Schindler uh, shared on Twitter, and it's like Isaiah Jackson switched on to a guard out of, like, way above the three-point line last night. I remember the block, but I forgot, like, him switching on the guard and all that part of it as I was just kind of casually watching the game. And the guard got by him just a tiny bit. But as he was trying to get to the layup, Isaiah Jackson met him at the rim and swatted it off the backboard. So you're seeing some of those characteristics of these players where it's like, man, these guys are really special. And um, they have a lot of great skills. They just need that ability to get on the floor and see what they can do with it. So it'll be interesting to see how Carlisle manages these minutes going forward because we do have some injury updates that we need to get to before we jump into our questions. And so Malcolm Brogdon, he missed the game against the Warriors. There was a questionable uh, game-time decision for the game against the Suns. And then all of a sudden, we get a report that says he's going to be evaluated in 10 days as he's dealing with this Achilles injury. Karis LeVert missed his second game in a row with a calf injury. Sabonis missed his second game with an ankle injury. And they said he will miss the game Monday against the Pelicans. So Miles Turner still out. Warren still out. McConnell still out. A um, lot of injury news, Fachi, and we're just uh, – we're just barely over the halfway point of the season, so it's just it's just one of those things, again, that we're dealing with this year. It really is, but this time around, it seems like there is a glass-half-full approach of, like, look, we can't trade Brogdon. He's not going anywhere. It doesn't look like Sabonis is going anywhere uh, at the deadline or anything like that. So those are the two guys that we can absolutely afford 
to rest and take some time. Turner also in, the, in that situation, his injury seems to be a little bit more severe, I would say. Um, so at this point, Turner, take your time with that. We don't want to worsen that injury. And then Levert is someone who we want to get back on the court sooner rather than later to keep that trade value up. So yeah, what, what's going on with that? I mean, do we? I didn't really hear anything about a calf before the game yeah, against not. the Lakers. It almost seems like it's a precautionary thing where they're just trying to hold them out so they don't have another Turner incident happen where they exactly. might lose a guy in trade value. That is exactly how I okay. took it of like, look, this is someone who I feel like they're saying, hey, you know what? Duarte is playing really good right over here. The youth is playing really good. Like, If we're going to rest some of these guys, maybe let's rest the bulk of them. And <laughs> we're seeing a full youth movement right now, midseason, instead of having to wait to the last couple games of the season. I like it a lot, but I think the Pacers are also taking it easier with guys like Turner and Levert who could be moved rather than risk the injuries and then, you know, be unable to move them. Yeah, and I think you look at the upcoming schedule, like the Pacers play the Pelicans. They're not really known uh, for their great record. They're 17 and 28, just two losses, better than the Pacers who are 17 and 30 right now. Then you got the Thunder on Friday. And then looking at February, you got the Magic. You know, there's there's a couple of games here and there. Maybe the Cavaliers you play them, but that's a team that's really interested in them. But those are some teams that are, like, not playing as well, and they're a little bit in the tank mode, so to say. So if you can have him play for those games and look really good in those games, same for Jeremy Lamb, it will build up their trade value. But anyway, we got a lot of questions to get to, Fachi, so let's take a quick break and come back with our mailbag, part one of today's show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, jumping right into the mailbag questions. We're going to do this a little bit differently than we did last week. We're going to go based off of where these questions were sent in from what platform. So we're going to start here with Instagram questions. This comes from that guy, Seaman. He said, the Pacers keep getting name dropped in any list of suitors for Ben Simmons at the trade deadline. But fans of the team seem strongly divided when rumors swirled before the season. After our 17-30 and 30 start, do you think the fan base would be more receptive to a potential Ben Simmons trade? I think the fan base desperately wants change to the point where any shakeup is like that's something new that we could potentially sell ourselves on. But when ESPN is saying like, oh, Simmons to Indiana for, say, Sabonis, Levert, and two unprotected first-round picks, including this year's pick and 2024, then, whoa, I'm not trying to make a move that bad. So I, I don't think that Simmons is a guy who can can save it all here, especially if you're talking about – giving up an unprotected 2022 pick and Sabonis and more. So, look, 
yeah, I, I would, I would like Simmons, but for nowhere near that type of package. Yeah, and then I think Ben uh, Bill Simmons put out a, a trade idea on Twitter. More, more realistic. And it was like uh, I forget who it was. It was like Sabonis and Lamb for like Simmons and a and pick. Yep. Yeah. So something where the Pacers kind of get more value back. I mean, I don't think that would be something Philly would do. I don't think so either. So I, I think they're opening up their options a little bit because they realize they need to get somebody in here that can help this the Sixers team. I, I mean, obviously the Kings are the most rumored team to them as well. I think the fan base, you know, there's there's going to be a split divided based on whatever move the Pacers make, right? Because absolutely, there's so many Turner stands and so many Sabonis stands, and then there's some Sabonis haters, and then there's Turner haters, and so you know, and some of those are both, right? So. You're going to have fans who are like, why are we trading Sabonis from Ben Simmons, you know? And I get that some people will get frustrated by that. And I also understand when people are like, because Ben Simmons is a much better defender. So this is a really loaded question. I think that overall, fans would be acceptive of it because it means the Pacers are actually making moves. Yes. However, here's where I think people would get frustrated if Ben Simmons comes here and then goes through the motions and acts like he doesn't want to be here. That's the worst case scenario because – yeah, because Ben Simmons, it just seems like, do, do we really think Clutch is going to allow Ben Simmons to get traded to Indiana? Like, I know that they can't control everything. I get that, but it's the NBA, and we, we say a lot of things shouldn't be controlled. But I don't think that he's going to love the opportunity here in Indiana. I think he would much rather be out in, like, a California type of team, Sacramento, like we just mentioned. I think that makes more sense. So I don't think he's a great fit for Indiana as a franchise just because – some of the headaches that it seems to be that he brings. But, um, you know, I think that I would be in, intrigued by it just to see what he could bring to the table because, quite frankly, he could be a really good player. But after having some guests on talking about him and just not really saying that he loves Indiana, it, it makes you a little bit skeptical. I'm very skeptical there because he's also getting paid a lot of money to be hands down the biggest contract the Pacers have ever had to deal with before by actually a wide margin. Um, so – also, I just love the fact that Philly's asking price initially was like four first-round picks and a young player. And then it was like three first-round picks and a young player. Then it was a top 25 player and picks. And now I'm hearing a top 40 player. So yeah. you could see they're slowly losing that type of leverage as the deadline's getting closer. Philly was the one seed last year. Now it's like they're still sticking around, but it does they don't look like a dominant team. So you can start to see their asking price is lightening up a bit. So um, I, I don't want to be the one to make the move now when in the offseason you might be able to get them for far cheaper. Yeah, we'll have to monitor that in the offseason. And Brogdon would become available. And exactly. would you consider him a top 40 player? I wouldn't, but I think there might be some that would because uh, there's been arguments made that he is – potentially the best player on the team, which I don't really agree with, but there are arguments for that. Yeah. There are arguments for that. Yep. But yep. let's move on to Fester35. He said, who is your league MVP so far, Foch? It's, it's a tough one. Uh, I would just say at one point it was Durant. Uh, he's out for a while now. I mean, the, the Nets have the top record in the East. Durant is leading the league in scoring, falling out. Um, but then also, I mean, you look at what Embiid's doing for the Sixers right now. Yeah. Three games out of first in the East, no Simmons. Um, I mean, Embiid was second last year in MVP voting. Jokic, I feel like, is flat out undercovered. I feel like he he just the media is not talking about Jokic enough. And then also look what he's doing without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So to me right now, it's it's uh, between Embiid and Jokic, I'd say. Okay, well, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. I put this out on Twitter, actually. 
a couple days ago, Giannis Antetokounmpo is my MVP right now. 28.6 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, and 6.0 assists in 39 games. I, I might just be biased. I know he shoots 53% from the field. It's not a great three-point shooter, just shooting 28%. But he doesn't need to shoot three-pointers to be great. He's a plus 256 when he's on the floor and versus when he's not this season. So I... Uh, I've watched the Pacers play a lot of games this year, and I just feel like if you're looking at both offense and defensively, there is nobody that impacts the game right now in this league like Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I know there's probably some voters fatigue with it, but for me right now, I think Embiid's been unbelievable this year. I mean, he's putting up career numbers, right? I mean, that's why you got to look at it. I think he's averaging more points right now than he is in minutes over the last stretch of games for the Philadelphia 76ers. So, like, that's ridiculous. And he's playing, like, 35 minutes a game. So, you know, he's he's doing something special. But with that being said, from what I've seen on court talent-wise, I just don't think there's a better player or a player that gives more teams more fits than Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can't go wrong with Giannis. And, yeah, the voting fatigue, you know, could be there to an extent uh, because, you know, he did win was two MVPs. Um, I mean, he's stud, absolutely a stud. So the thing is, I was looking for like who took their game to maybe the next level, and I feel like I feel like Embiid's had a shoulder more this year without Simmons. He's responded very well, but you can't go wrong with either. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to our next question. This comes from Craig Pop. He said, "For you to even consider us a bonus trade, what would the return package have to look like?" We've used that infamous, you know, Magic and Bulls trade for Vucevic as like that. Hey, it's two first round picks. It's a young player, Wendell Carter Jr. And then you got your salary filler and Otto Porter Jr. So for Sabonis, I would be hoping for, you know, an all-star or a borderline all-star and a first-round pick. There could also be a young, promising player in there. It'd be great. I don't think there's going to be the, the two first-round picks and a young player. So I think you're looking at hopefully an all-star, borderline all-star, and either a first-round pick or a promising young player back. Because, look, let's be honest, we're not going to get a top-20 player back for Sabonis. It'd be great. Uh, his contract yeah. is honestly a steal, so it complicates things. So you need to either take on more money or, you know, be willing to settle for, you know, a, a few quarters instead of a dollar. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing because I think with the Pacers, the reporting has been they want an all-star in return. So, like, if you're looking at all-stars that you could possibly get, like Pascal Siakam's a name that could be mentioned out there. Uh, I don't believe CJ McCollum's been an all-star yet. so No, he hasn't. Yeah, so he might not be in that room, but, like, uh, uh, this is a dumb one, but I'm just going to throw it out there. But, like, a D'Angelo Russell, he's been an all-star. You're looking at more guys that have maybe been an all-star once or twice but might not be, you know, going forward or it was like they had a really good season or that kind of thing. So, for me, I I don't necessarily care about the all-star appearance as much. I'm just going off what the reports have said. I think that the, the, the King stuff was interesting. I know a lot of people were talking about that. And I just said, if I were the Pacers making this trade, look, there's an argument that De'Aaron Fox is not the best player on the Sacramento Kings. I know he's paid like it, but if they're more willing to give up Fox than a Tyrese Halliburton, they project or see that Halliburton is a better player moving forward. And I think part of that is because of his three-point shooting ability and that kind of thing. Look, De'Aaron Fox is a very interesting name, and I think that he's a little bit you know, um, maybe a little bit overrated by some Pacer fans who think that he's the answer for everything, but maybe a little bit underrated by those that aren't a big fan of it. So my thing was, if this Fox thing was true, I'm asking for Fox and I'm asking for two first round picks for DeMontis Sabonis. That's the kind of deal I'm looking for. 
Because Sabonis is the all-star and he's on a cheaper contract. That's the thing you have to look at. You're yeah. taking on a guy that can't shoot threes. He's he's not even that great of a passer. I know he's a point guard, but he's more of a driver kind of guy. He's not a guy that's constantly trying to get others involved, and he's a good defender. So if I'm the Pacers, that is my price right now because you don't really know who could become available and if you could in- include Savonis in that deal. Like just for example, let's just say a guy like Kawhi Leonard became available again, right? Like how how the Raptors had to do it. They ended up trading their best player, DeMar DeRozan, plus Yaka Pertle, a young player, a young center, for Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi went to Toronto, won them a championship, and left. But at the same time, if you're the Pacers, you have to be able to, you have to consider that being an option that you look at if you're thinking about different scenarios in the league. So, I mean, I, he's like five years younger than Vucevic. Is that right, Foch? Close to that? Could be. Could yeah. Be. I mean, there's a big age gap. So I think that you have to at least get something more in return than what the Bulls got, or what the Magic got, excuse me, for Vucevic because of the age. Two-time All-Star and the contract. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. I would probably settle for one pick if that's what it came down to, but they have to be unprotected for 2023. Yeah, see, at one point I heard that there could be a first-round pick in there with Fox, and that was when I was starting to sell myself. of like, hmm, okay, that is that is really intriguing. You know, we could always, like, dump Lamb in there just to, you know, get that yeah. contract over off the books. Not that it's even past this year, but still, I, I needed something more than just Fox for Sabonis because right there – it had me being like, I don't think we're a fox away from all of a sudden being a great team when we're giving up our best player right now. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of the like stuff that's going on with like Ben Simmons and Fox and Sabonis trades. Like, I understand Sabonis is not a three-point threat. So trading for more non-three-point threats to me is not something I would prefer to do, even if I am moving on from Sabonis, because I feel like Sabonis, his screen setting ability, his ability to run the pick and roll and be so dominant in that would be a lot of fun. Like, and I, and I don't really know if I would love having either of those two players next as a bonus. I think Fox would be more intriguing probably than Simmons next to Domas. But, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things. It's just hard to talk yourself into those guys because of some of the flaws they have. And, you know, I just, I just want a guy that I know is gonna, you know, be able to be able to help out in different ways than just one. And I don't think the narrative of Sabonis having to have the ball to be effective is true. I think that, Sabonis can be very impactful without the basketball by just the amount of screens he sets. Agreed, agreed. All right, let's move on to our next question. This comes from Moonfish817 on Reddit. We're moving over to our Reddit questions now. So what do you think it will take for the front office to focus on letting these young guys play? Having a stretch of good games plus Lance coming back will help with the viewership in the short term. But in the next season, I'm afraid we'll try to run it back after a disappointing free agency. Do one of our stars need to pull some Antonio Brown-type stunts or request a trade? Uh, to wake up Herb Simon, maybe we just have to wait for Herb to sell, kick the bucket. Thanks, great podcast. I don't want any of our players to pull an Antonio Brown. I, I really don't. Um, and look, we've we've been hurt by some, you know, some some trade requests in the past. So I hope it doesn't get to that point. But I think some of these injuries, coupled with the team's record, is finally having the front office like look in the mirror and say, "Hey, let's rest the starters for a bit, and you know, let's let's see what the youth has." Because lately, we've seen. Goga respond. We've seen Isaiah Jackson respond, and and they know those guys are talented. But unfortunately, this is what it took to to get them on the court. It took some injuries. So why rush these players back, especially if there's some players that you might be moving? So I say that you know under the pressure that I don't see Levert and Turner in a Pacers uniform next season, and that Warren status is up in the air. I don't think the Pacers are going to run it back once again. However, we have said that for the last few years, so crazier things could happen. 
But I don't see Brogdon or Sabonis asking for a trade if you have perhaps like a, a Turner or Levert moved. Yeah, I think we're just going to have to monitor it as we go along. I think with the injuries right now, it's giving you an opportunity to play the young guys. Once they make moves, I think they're going to want to see how everyone gels after the All-Star break, and I think that's a great move, especially if they go out and get some young players to go with an Isaiah Jackson, a Goga, even a Chris Duarte, like those kind of guys and whoever the Pacers end up keeping. We know Brogdon's going to be here, T.J. Warren more than likely, and T.J. McConnell. We'll see what about the other guys with, you know, Lavert, Turner, and Sabonis. But, yeah, I mean, I think that right now you're going to see them continue to play them a decent amount of minutes. I don't know about heavy minutes, but once everybody gets back healthy, they'll probably still have them in the rotation at some point. But That's what I hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be surprised, though, if they need to have someone pulling Antonio Brown type of stunt, obviously. They know this season is not what they wanted it to be, and there's a good chance they're still trying to just get an evaluation of what their talent overall is for their young players because we know most of these guys that are playing right now are going to be backups, right? That's the plan anyway. So I don't think they're going to run it back. I would be completely stunned if they ran it back with the same roster for next season. Um, if there's not a lot of trades made at the deadline, there will definitely be moves made in the offseason. But other than that, I think that Herb Simon wants this team to win. So you're, you're going to see them try to be competitive at least next year to try to win games, and it will not be a complete youth movement in my opinion. Completely, completely agree. I, I just don't see them just tearing it all down so that the – the youth has showed enough to, to say we belong in the rotation. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll get right back to these mailbag questions here from Reddit. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This one comes from PaversFan21. He said, is Goga the best pacer or simply the best pacer center? <laughs> Look, Goga's been very <laughs> exciting to watch. He's flashed a ton of potential, whether it's blocking shots, finishing in the paint. Uh, he's always showing emotion, sometimes too much emotion, but it's nice to see it compared to a team that was going through the motions. Um, I feel like he's also gotten better at putting the ball on the floor and dribbling into the basket. So that's been nice to see. Like This guy needs... 15 to 20 minutes per game. I honestly feel like it's got to be this year. So I can't say he's the best pacer. Can't say he's the best pacer center, but I enjoy watching him. No, I think that what he's showing right now is that when given the opportunity in a consistent role, he can be productive in that position. Look, he's not going to play great every single game. No player does. But I think the more minutes he gets, the more reps he gets. He's, he's showing right now that he can be a quality backup center in this league and at moments, you can play him in crunch time or you can even start him if if push comes to shove, right? He's a good rim protector, not afraid to shoot the three, has to work on getting that shot to go down more than it does. 
but you know, working working on his screens, he's getting a little bit better. Um, sometimes I think his hedging has been a little bit que- a, a bit of a question mark. Watching him play defense, trying to guard those other guys out of the wing. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. But no, I like Goga. And Rick Carlisle even said it in his press conference after the game against the Warriors that he really wasn't that mad that Goga got ejected. In fact, that he liked that intensity that he played with throughout the entire game. So, you know, Goga does bring a little bit of something different. Um, Somehow he got called for a foul last night against the Suns where Mikael Bridges just completely created contact first and and got an elbow to Goga's head, and he had a little bit of a growth growing over his eye. I don't know if you saw that, Fachi. I did see that. It looked solidly big. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So, you know, I think Goga's a, a ferocious player, uh, an intense player, and that's something that this team really needs. But let's move on to Pepper Pitts here. They said, do you think after seeing the passion, talent, and hopeful system coachability the youth is playing with, do you think Rick and man- management will be more likely to sign up on a rebuild? I mean, look, how could they not be excited about Duarte, Goga, and Isaiah Jackson? Like, those are actual pieces Right there. So I feel like all of a sudden you sprinkle in perhaps maybe the fifth overall pick somewhere around there. You're, you're getting a lot of youth options. All of those guys will be on cheap contracts for next year. You honestly don't have a bad contract at that point. Like Brogdon probably eventually gets moved and who knows the status of Lavert and Turner before this season ends. So I feel like at that point, one of those guys, Lavert or Turner, I feel like is getting moved at the deadline. Probably Lavert. But yeah. I, I think that this can be a rebuild without an absolute teardown. Yeah, I was going to say, basically, their, their whole goal is to rebuild on the fly. Yep. And if you look at Goga, you look at Chris Duarte, these guys are both young enough and experienced enough to really contribute without having to go through a rebuild. I think you can play them both off the bench. You could probably, I would say, start more Duarte than, than Goga. But, you know, there's, a, there's definitely an opportunity here where you could say, hey, the really the only player we need to, like, actually see have some growing pains as Isaiah Jackson right now on this roster. Obviously you're going to have those with Goga and Duarte, but they're not going to be like your number one option or your full-time starter moving forward. I think, you know, uh, from what everything we've seen on the reports, you know, it makes sense that Sabonis and Brogdon might be here returning. You add a first round draft pick to that. You add some trades. You see what they do with Warren, maybe insert Duarte in that starting lineup. Like, look, Duarte doesn't have to be the man. He can still be a solid contributor. And then Goga can play great off the bench. And, you know, you're just talking about the talent you have now helping you win games. It doesn't have to be a complete and total rebuild. So I don't think they're going to sign off on that, no matter how, you know, willing they are to play, how much passion they play with. But I think right now it's just, uh, while we suck, let's give these guys an opportunity. And uh, I'm sure Carlisle has been enjoying coaching a team that's fighting a little bit harder than some of the games he's had to coach earlier this year, where you have guys on the floor frustrated with their situation and not and not basically playing at the highest level possible. Yeah, I mean, it was so frustrating to watch each game come and just say, hey, we, we didn't come out hard enough or, oh, we lightened up over there. Or, We're going to watch some film or we got to look in the mirror. There was, there was a new line or a new excuse after every single loss. And now it's like, hey, even when we're outmatched and we lose, if we see them playing hard on the court, then that's all we can ask for. And yeah. at this point, that, that's what the Pacers are doing of the last week or so. We saw them battle back against the Lakers. We saw them, you know, fight against Golden State. You know, they, they, they I'm not embarrassed by anything against Phoenix at all. That's a really no. good team right there without our ideal starting five. So uh, what I've seen lately has been a refreshing change. Absolutely. Let's move on to General Gann. He said, in your opinion, what role or skill set should the Pacers seek in return for any trades this season? 
The team has publicly stated who is available on the roster, and lots of fake trades have been discussed as a result. What I don't see much of is what type of player the Pacers should target, so what type of player would benefit the team the most in return? Man, as much as I'd love to draw up the perfect player, I know it doesn't always work that way, but like a long defensive type of wing, if he can shoot threes, that's the perfect scenario. But uh, if you can't score like that Cam Reddish type player, they could at least bring back someone who can play alongside Domas well, someone who could maybe allow Brogdon to play off ball, who can also shoot. I mean, this team is depleted of good shooters. Uh, they could use more better, you know, better ball handlers, um, but also defensively. I mean, that's that's where maybe the biggest gap might be is if you can get that defensive wing. Yeah, I definitely think you need to add some uh, wing depth here because Karis Levert playing the three right now, um, that he's more of a two guard to me. And I know that sounds funny to say in today's NBA to look at those two separately, but I'm just looking for, like Fachi said, maybe someone that's got that same build of Cam Reddish, six foot seven, six foot eight, that can guard uh, bigger wings, has the ability to hit the three point shot. We definitely need more three point shooting. And I, and I think you're just looking for more athleticism as well. Someone that can hopefully play that power forward position too, next to Sabonis if they keep Sabonis or next to Turner if they keep Turner. Just someone that makes a little bit more sense that's able to, to do some more inside-outside stuff and not just a guy that's good at the outside and not just a good a guy that's good at the inside. I think you want a little bit of diversity there with that, with that power forward, but preferably someone that can guard those bigger forwards. I think that's why a name that's not the biggest uh, – Fans aren't the biggest uh, – they're not in love with is Gordon Hayward. But someone like that, maybe not Gordon Hayward himself, but someone that has those skill sets uh, would be interesting to go after Futch. Yeah, I would definitely much rather the skill sets than Gordon Hayward in his contract. Yeah. But I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah, well, let's move on. we got a quick comment here from Informal Original 62. They just said, keep Lance. I uh, couldn't agree with you more. And then Adam is hungry with a question here to close us out today on this podcast. He's got two of them. So part one said, here's a trade thought experiment that might require some research. Using the Paul George trade as a template for success, are there any teams out there that have multiple recent lottery pick talents that you'd like the Pacers to target? Yeah, I mean – We've talked about it a little bit, and I feel like it, to meet your criteria, no picks, just lottery talent uh, from previous years. I mean, if there was a, a way to you know flip Turner for PJ Washington and or James Booknight, I mean that's that would I would be happy with that. I mean, right over there, um, you probably also have to get Mason Plumley in there. Then there could potentially be like a Turner and maybe Brissett for like Nerlens Noel, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel quickly. Uh, quickly was a little bit of a later pick, but Tom yeah. was a lottery pick. Um, and then we've heard Cleveland really linked to Levert for quite some time. Is there a package that could get done, say, like Colin Sexton? And I don't think you can get Colin Sexton and Isaac Okoro, but maybe there's like a Colin Sexton. Kevin Love, former first former lottery pick. Yeah, huh, that contract. But um, <laughs> I'm just so, saying. Yeah, like Colin Sexton, maybe Chetty Osmond, Dylan Windler. Windler was a later first round pick, but you're still getting a lottery pick in there. Um, then, uh, other than that, I would say that that's that's probably kind of the extent of what I thought because I don't think you're going to be able to combine Turner and Lavert to the same team. Yeah. So a couple of things I threw out here. Now I didn't go off of two lottery picks on everybody. But for Sacramento, you got De'Aaron Fox, you got Davion Mitchell, you got Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald. Those are four lottery picks. So you can pick your uh, poison there with those two. Um, Golden State, they got James Wiseman, Moses Moody, and Jonathan Kaminga. Those are all guys you could look at potentially. Those were all lottery picks. And I did throw in Okoro and Sexton just because they're both names that have been out there for potential 
the with the potential to acquire them. I guess you could technically throw Rubio in there as well, since he was a lottery pick. And then going off some other ones that weren't lottery picks or were lottery picks and the second guy wasn't, um, what about DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter? Could you see the Pacers maybe being able to make a move for those two? I would keep an eye on that just because we know Hunter is uh, he's had some injuries, but you know they, they could move on from him. I went with CJ McCollum and Anthony Simons. And fun fact, Anthony Simons was drafted 24th after Aaron Holiday. So that's just a little another bit of a stinger there. And then uh, I did two more. Orlando has Jonathan Isaac. Maybe you get uh, Okiki or RJ Hampton in the deal with them, if, depending on what you're willing to give up. And then Philadelphia, I went with Ben Simmons. And then, of course, your pick of the litter there from Matisse Thibel or, or Shake Milton or somebody like that. Um, I don't think you're going to get Tyrese Maxey from him, but those are some names that I throw out there. I mean, all, all appealing names. I think a lot of those guys um, would, would be great additions to the Pacers. Some of them can continue to get better. Uh, I think DeAndre Hunter is a guy that I've definitely been intrigued with for a while. I know that the Hawks tend to be a better team when he's healthy and on the court for them. I know they love them some Kevin Hoyer uh, for sure. So it, it would be tough. I, I think to get two potential lottery picks is, is going to be a bit more of a challenge. Maybe you can get one and then another player. Um, but to meet the criteria, those were definitely some names that we had in mind. And the last question here, assuming Karras or Miles are the centerpiece of what we give up, plus Lamb, Justin, or Craig for filler if necessary, is there any worthwhile rebuild package that doesn't include a pick? Um, okay, so bringing back a, a, a package for us that doesn't include a pick? Yeah, I think that's what he was asking. Well, yeah, I mean, I would just say some of the guys that we mentioned before, I mean, if there's a, a way to get Isaac Okoro and Colin Sexton, I mean, right over there you're getting potentially – Two starters are definitely guys that are in the rotation like that. So I, I think some of those packages that we went through over there, none of them included a pick. So. Yeah, I, I think you might look at something along the lines of like Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington for Levert and Turner and whatever salary you need to throw in there. Um, I'm just throwing out ideas now because well, that's where we're at. Um, looking at like a team like Toronto, look, I don't know if Levert and Turner would be enough to get you past Gossiakam, but Look at that package, and maybe you can get somebody else back. You know, other than that, um, I think New York, if you can get quickly and Obi Toppin with a Nerlens Noel or whatever it takes, you know, that kind of that kind of deal where you get two young players back without getting a pick, that's the best way to go. But I think right now, with Turner's injury, it's just going to be really hard to figure out. So, Fachi, that wraps up the day one mailbag. So, thank you everybody for listening to us. You can follow Fachi at underscore F A C C I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA, and we're over on. Twitter at Setting the Pace 3, on Facebook and TikTok at Setting the Pace, and over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. Let's go Pacers!